This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, guys. Uh, welcome um, to... Talking Devils, the leading uh, independent Man United uh, podcast. I'm uh, Harry from Fan Own United, and this is uh, the second episode of the, the One the Lot um, podcast. And we've got lots to obviously cover this week from our last episode. Um, obviously, the semi final uh, win yesterday uh, and the unfortunate result on Thursday which uh, knocked us out of the Europa League. Um, as per usual, I'm here with uh, Peter and uh, and Stephen to, to go over uh, all of that, uh, what happened um, throughout the week. And, and uh, I'm sure these guys will be able to give us some great insights uh, and looking forward to, to catching up and, and getting their thoughts. Um, so yeah, I guess let's uh, let's dive straight into it. I think it'll be good to cover off uh, Brighton first, as it was the latest game. Um, obviously, I feel the players were slightly flat. Maybe going into that game on Sunday uh, after the Seville performance, um, I was I was there, uh, but I think these guys watched it on the on the telly. Um, obviously, I've seen the highlights, but maybe. In regards to the actual game itself, sometimes you get a better feel for for the actual kind of balance of the game and who was on top. So, so what do you think, Peter? What, what were your thoughts yesterday of of the general performance uh, and how the game panned out? Uh, yeah, so I watched it actually uh, at a post London Marathon uh, celebration party, so I had to watch it and also talk to people at the same time. So, yeah, but I had one eye on it the whole time, and then I watched a lot of it back today. Uh, like you said, like we obviously came into it quite flat and the confidence was low. And I don't think many United fans were that optimistic. It kind of felt like Thursday really took the sting out of the season. And it's kind of been like that a bit since the League Cup final. I've kind of like, well, we peaked in February and everything since has kind of been like, you've lost the trust in like a lot, a lot of these players, especially with a few injuries and so on. Uh, so yeah, uh, we didn't start that well. Brighton were kind of on top, but... We came into the second half, and sorry, at the end of the first half, and again, like the lack of rootlessness was shown up. Like Bruno probably should have scored with probably with the second of his chances, definitely. And Ericsson shot like Rashford played him in quite well. Uh, I also thought Rashford wasn't fully fit. I think he would just he would have gone to the defender in a normal situation. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was quite a meek display in large parts. But then at the same time, semi-finals are kind of like that. They always are tense and tight, and Brighton are quite a good team, and. The fact we're missing our first choice centre backs, Bruno obviously went off. Martial's never fit. Rashford was half fit. Dallow at left back. De Gea coming off the Seville game. Uh, I thought a few players stepped up. Like Lindelof had a really good game, uh, as did Shaw. And I think it really just shows the importance of like, especially for a Ten Hag size, of having that left side centre back who can pass the ball out uh, yeah. and his comfortable possession. So I think as well, just you don't know harp on about Maguire but I think it just for his own sake and players as well I think it's almost easier for everyone when he doesn't play and it like him and De Gea together is just almost a recipe for disaster at this point so yeah we were lucky to get over the line in a sense but I was shocked we won the penalty shootout I think we've won one shootout <laughs> since Fergie left and it was beating the, the mighty Rochdale at Old Trafford and funnily the 
saw on Twitter the Brighton keeper Sanchez was actually on loan at Rochdale at the time. So uh, he's like a lucky charm. He's almost as bad at penalty saves as De Gea. And uh, yeah, it was surprising that all six went in. And yeah. I said to the mate I was with, I was like, De Gea won't save one. We need someone to sky it. <laughs> so so yeah. uh, a, shout out to, a, sh- a shout out to Solly Marsh. Uh, yeah. We'll get him a cool final ticket for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I was thinking exactly the same. Uh, I mean, it's just typical Dave. He just never seems to get close to any of them. And uh, I think I was the same as you. I wasn't too confident going into uh, that penalty shootout. Um, but see, what, what did you uh, what did you make of the game yesterday? Uh, echoed a lot of what Peter says. Um, I also think that um, we obviously had what two or three days in between games. Brighton had a week, so they have a time to prepare a little bit more. Um, B, they don't have to travel quite as far, and and C, they get the extra days rest. Which, as we've been playing twice a week all year, it it really does stack up. Um, as you say, Rashford, I know he's I know he's come off an injury, but he didn't look fit against Seville. Um, as soon as he, as soon as he came on, you know, I, I thought he started limping after five minutes. And I think it's quite evident to see when Rashford isn't fit with his body language. And a lot of fans can can see when he's playing through the pain that his head's always down, he's he's limping, he's walking off with his with his with his chin down. Um, which obviously isn't isn't the best, but he is just trying his best to uh, to soldier on. Um I also think that we were playing against 12 men um on on Sunday. I know that blaming the ref, especially in a win, you know. You can't always blame the ref, and there there always is going to be be people blaming the ref. But you know, if you wanted to to ref that that game fairly, Brighton should have had two men sent off. Um, you know, Adam Webster notably three yellow card tackles, two of them on Martial didn't get booked. Um, you know, Craig Pawson quite often centre of attention. Um, you know, for his for his uh, incompetent displays. So it's it's just one of those you've got to overcome difficulties and we we did it without the guy making a penalty save which is <laughs> yeah we we got there absolutely yeah and it was yeah i mean from where i was sitting which was the complete other end of the ground uh, it seemed like sanchez got to a couple of them as well which uh, kind of made it even more nervy he was uh, he was getting to them and it was i think the sabitza one especially i think he got a hand to it Mm-hmm. Um, nearly tipped it over, but well, uh, Sabitzer yeah. actually ran away, didn't he? Um, went yeah. after he after he scored and kind of went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I think he, I think I think he knew well. Like, look, yeah. he's a Bayern Munich player. He's not German, but he plays for German club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I did. I had. I had the shades. I was waiting. I was like, oh, this is going to be Villarreal again, and De Gea is yeah. going to have to go up and take one, and he's yeah. going to miss. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, do you, do you see the video of Casemiro? Uh, jumping yeah, out? yeah, I, I, I thought I didn't, I thought he was like, I was like, oh, Casemiro's just like, I don't know, he lost his mind, but it was he was actually doing <laughs> it to De Gea, being like, make yourself big, do the Bruce yeah. Grobler spaghetti legs. And De Gea kind of just stands there, he doesn't look like he, he doesn't look like he's got like you know, compared to like Martinez for uh, Argentina and Villa, it's like you, it's like this is my domain, like this is what I do. De Gea's kind of like. I don't think I'll do anything here. And it's strange. He's a best, in the playground, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His best his best attributes has always been his reflexes. And you're kind of like, surely you're able to like know where he's made like, a lot of time in the years, like he's made saves that have been ridiculous. Dived, he seems to know where the ball's gonna go. Yeah. Uh, but just when it comes to penalties, he's just yeah, he's terrible at them. And it was nice to see Sancho and Rashford score, especially after like the Euros and yeah, so Sancho's so penalty as well. He was right in the top corner, you know, he was so That's confident cool. with it. Um, yeah. So out out of the two, you know, obviously he's been slightly less confident throughout the season. So I was more impressed with him um, slightly more than than the Rashford one. But yeah. absolutely, I mean, credit where it's due that they stepped up. I think. But, uh, um, but yeah, well, no, so I just I just wanted to to kind of pick up on a couple of points that you guys mentioned as well. Um, I mean, definitely the the point on Rashford. Not only Rashford, I think there was a lot of players in that team. Um, which were struggling fitness-wise. And Joel's saying there's certain things you can pick up on when you go to games. There's other things where you can't assess as well. That is one thing you definitely saw because obviously when the when the uh, you know camera's kind of focusing on other things, when the ball goes out of play, you know, 
you're obviously you've got your eyes on the players, etc. Every time the ball went out of play after about 60 minutes, I'd say Rashford had his uh, hands on his knees, kind of haunching over. I already knew what you were going to say then. And I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't see what was going on. Because I, I, obviously I go to United every week. So yeah, I, does know it, what, I know what you're going to say. When he's not when he's not 100%. But, you know, FA Cup semi-final needs must. It's one of those things, you know, if he's carrying a slight knock, he most probably would have had a, you know, it would be strapped up or... You know, he'll most probably took a, an injection or whatever it is. And he, he was definitely saving himself, um, not really making any, you know, unnecessary runs or, or you know, being out and about on the pitch, like running left and right. Um, he was just, you know, keeping himself for a couple of key passes, like that one um, one really good chance he had in the second half that he, um, I think it was a ball, I don't know who pinged it across to him, 30 yards um, out, he controlled it really well on the left and he cut in, um, didn't do as well as he should have with the shot and just missed the post. But that was the one point where I kind of know that he, for things like that, that's what he was keeping his, uh, his kind of energy for. It was kind of in reserve in the tank. Um, I guess same with Bruno, Bruno picked up a little knock, um, but all the other guys as well, like even Shaw, um, you know, Casemiro, surprisingly, even though he's had a few games out, it's really, you know, starting to tell that the games have started to affect the lads because obviously we haven't had the strength in depth either in the squad. Ten Hag has not really, um, you know, rotated the squad either, even when he did kind of have the opportunities in, in certain games like Reading. I think we could have maybe switched some players up. Um, and I remember I went, I went to the Burnley game in uh, in the Carabao Cup, which was just after the World Cup, just before Christmas. And I was having a think back. And I think since then, we have literally played every weekend and every midweek. And I mean, that takes its toll. I mean, that's that's been four whole months now. And it's going to be like that over the next couple of weeks. So now, obviously, we're out the Europa League. I, I think the kind of firm focus just needs to be on getting that top four secure as quickly as possible. Um, so that's why Thursday is so important. It'll be interesting to see who who's fit for that game, just so we can turn our attention uh, onto the cup final and we don't, you know, don't let City get that treble. I think it, it's starting to kind of hit home that it there's a slight chance of it happening and, um you know, there's no way, especially from our side, that, that we can let it happen. So the the only plus point, I guess, is we can, you know, like I said, rest a couple of the players on, on the kind of lead up to the cup final. Hopefully we'll have Varane back and give give a better show of ourselves. Because yesterday for me, it, it was frustrating. I felt the performance was a little bit flat. I mean... You know, having I had a quick look at the stats today, but I didn't need to see them. I mean, um, you know, Brighton bossed the possession. You know, I had a look at the stats and they had uh, 60% of it. You know, they almost, because we just didn't have the energy to, you know, press them and, and get the ball back, we, we just let them have it. And I think even Ten Hag, from his comments at the end of the game, was pretty much saying he was happy that it was a resilient performance and, and we got the job done. He wasn't really focusing too much on saying that we were really good tactically or, you know, on 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 those other points. I think the boys just did us kind of proud because they kind of, it was a gritty performance and we just needed yeah, we the result, all given that it did go to penalties. Um, but yeah, and another point, Steve, you mentioned... Again, I, I don't really like, you know, pointing to the ref and, you know, usually it's just an easy excuse. But definitely, I mean, you know, gave Casemiro a, a yellow card pretty early on. But I remember a good two, three, four challenges, which, you know, were really, really kind of hard hitting players. Our boys were like being thrown around and some of them weren't even given I think the first yellow card Brighton got was in like the 90th minute. Um, so, yeah, yeah he, he, we definitely didn't have the the rub of the green. Um, but in particular, I don't know, you guys, uh, I personally thought Lindelof was really exceptional yesterday. Mm 
I think, to be honest, this season, in fact, I don't really think he's put too much too much wrong. Um, I mean, what did you guys think of him? What, what do you guys think of, I guess, his performance, not just yesterday, but overall? Um, personally, I, it's hard to judge him a lot because he hasn't played that many games. So, and I'm also like, well, he's been at the club for this is sixth season, so it's a bad one. Like, he's one of those guys, like you know, he just been United for so long, like you're not of the standard to play for us, really. But he, he's hot, like his ceiling's quite cool. But when he's bad, he's he's awful. So I know he played well yesterday, but it's like that's kind of that's what the standard should be all the time. And I think it's crazy, like he's been at United twice as long as like Yap Stam, for example. He's just one of those guys <laughs> who like they just they just hang around because the club can't sell players and. We're kind of like there's been mediocre standards within the club for a long time, obviously. Uh, but he did play really well yesterday. I think he's just like the Lindelof Maguire just don't work together. They just like it just can't like Lindelof is so much better without Maguire. Maguire maybe without Lindelof, but I just think Maguire's confidence is on the floor. So he's just always at least himself. He does a bit of bad luck, like Sevilla on goal in the first leg. Um, your point there as well about like you said about like kind of like the digging in the grit. It's just so frustrating because you're like that's. One that is like the bare minimum that a Man United team should be doing in every game, and it is a semi final. Like you do need to dig in for games like that. Uh, it was good to see it, but you're like I said, it's very frustrating because, like, how many away games in recent months have we just like completely collapsed? And there hasn't been any like kind of determination. Like let's just dig in. We're not playing that well. We have an injury, or like, like lads are tired. Like, but let's just be resolute. Um, yeah. So it was good to see that. But I'm also like, like how did three days prior in Seville? We completely collapsed. There was no resident, there was no one stepping up and being like, okay, like here, let's control things a bit, let's slow it down. They can have the ball, but like let's be solid. So mm. we're real, we're a real Jekyll and Hyde side. You kind of see that like the things like oh, Ten Hag has brought in like a tease, like like most good teams replicate, like kind of like personified their manager. Like he's a steely guy, like he's very like serious. That's yeah. That comes true with the likes of like a Casemiro, like Verano Martinez weren't there, but those kind of guys, and Bruno to an extent, but he's like super emotional. He's almost like personifies what we are at times. Uh, but it's the guys like the guys who were there before him, like the Maguires, the De Gea's, who kind of associate with all the mass failure of like semi final losses, final losses, yeah. these like five nil home losses to Liverpool. That I'm like, we won't, if we won't get to that level that we should, that we want to get to with these guys even being on like one injury and they're back in. Um, so yeah, like it's, yeah, I agree. It's just a week, like the last four days kind of just kind of tells you where we're at. Like you said, like the injuries, the depth, we don't have it. Even with Rashford, when Rashford's half fit and you can't run around, then you're like, well, Martial doesn't run around anyway. So you kind <laughs> yeah, of just have, you, can't, you just have, you just can't do it. Yeah, it, it goes. And then like, we finished the game, like Vegas came on, obviously it was, it's kind of just like we said last week, it's kind of just like, it's ran out of time. Like he had a, you know, like we were all on the crest of a wave and he was with us, but uh, like you're bringing him on a cup semi-final, you're like, you're not going to score for us. Um, and they even like, like for, I thought Fred played well when he came on, he just brought energy and he hasn't played at all of late. So I didn't think Ericsson looked, Ericsson hasn't looked great since he's come back. And obviously it was a serious injury he had. So potentially bringing Fred for uh, Spurs on Thursday, just kind of a bit more energy, a bit more bite and, he can cover other guys who maybe aren't like at 100 percent yeah yeah no exactly you raise um quite quite a few quite a few points yeah. i mean seville yeah i mean we'll talk about that in a second there's a lot lot to cover off lot to cover off from uh from that game as well but um but kind of going back to the the my initial question what did you think steve about lindelof kind of in the context of the season um like an improvement or or not I think, up to scratch? Yeah, I think he's improved um, because of the players around him. Um, he's allowed to have the ball for a little bit longer than he potentially has done in the past, which is quite nice because one of his uh, best traits is to bring it out and, and to kind of um, dictate from the back, which is quite a decent deputy for Varane. Um, one thing that I've seen a lot of people talking about, and I kind of do agree with it now that I've seen it, is to be lumped in with Harry Maguire as, you know, the part of the Chuckle Brothers or, you know, Dumb and Dumber, um, it seems to have brought his United legacy down quite a lot when potentially if he's playing next to Martinez, for example, or even Luke Shaw, you know, um, he's been playing quite well recently. Um, 
away from Maguire. So, you know, if for the last three years he's he's been away from Maguire, how would it have turned out for him in terms of his legacy at United? You know, people might be looking at him in a in a completely different light. And earlier on this season, I was I was thinking we're going to need two new centre backs. A hundred percent. You know, it's 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 hardly even a question considering Varane's fitness um, and then any deputy for for Martinez as well. But I do think he can play both sides of of a cent- central defence, um, which he has shown quite capably. And you know, being a deputy for for either Varane or Martinez, he can do. Obviously, you've got Shaw there as well, who can pick that up as well. So it might not be an absolute priority given his mini resurgence and then Shaw's versatility as well. Um, but I do think we do need somebody. Um, yeah. No, hundred percent. I think I, you know, agree with you there um, on, on quite a few points. I think, you know, I think his, uh, his kind of persona at United has kind of been dragged down slightly um, because he's, he's had to play with Maguire for, for quite a lot of time. And, I think what I've noticed more so this season, because he's been able to play with other centre-backs, is how much kind of confusion and sometimes nervousness Maguire brings to a back line, just in general. Um, he, he kind of sometimes can have the opposite effect of what you need from your leading centre-back, and that's to you know keep things calm and cool and, you know, keep everyone in check and, and show a few leadership qualities, which unfortunately uh, I think Maguire for United, for whatever reason, doesn't possess. I think um, end of the day, you don't want your central defenders to be in the spotlight. You don't want to see them on Twitter every week. You don't want to see memes posted about them. You don't exactly. want a commentator in the Bayern Munich v City game, City yeah. game calling Upper Meccano, Upper Maguire, because he's trying, yeah. to, he's trying to take the piss out of him. It's just not what you need. Did you see? It was a while back, actually, to remind you when I saw the Oop Maguire thing. Like, Maguire got called out in Ghanaian Parliament. Some opposition leader, like six months ago, mentioned him as, like, even Harry Maguire would not miss this or something. So, like, I think <laughs> yeah. it's just really, I think, I just like, I feel bad for Maguire, like, on a personal level. Like, yeah. he would be like, that's yeah. a very hard position you're in. And they're, I don't like it's hard. You can't. Like, it's been like an imposter syndrome kind of thing. Being like, you are like you're cost eighty million, and you were made the Man United captain within six months of joining the club. It's a tough position to be in. And then he's there, but like Ronaldo, it really came to the fore when Ronaldo came because it was like, how's Cristiano Ronaldo being captain by Harry Maguire kind of thing? And even with like Casemiro, Varane, Martinez, they're like the leaders, and obviously Bruno and I. Maguire is kind of like. I don't like deep down. He probably like his life be a lot easier if he wasn't wearing that. He didn't have that armband, and yeah. it's going to be a you can't like on the Lindelof thing. Lindelof's fine to have as a backup because he, one, he's not English, so there isn't the same level of media attention. He doesn't like Maguire starts for England. It's always a talking point like, coming into the World Cup. Like, can he play for them? So I think for everyone's sake, just a clean break in the summer. Maguire mm-hmm. goes elsewhere, and. Yeah, I don't think like I don't think we will, we have the money to buy two centre backs anyway. So I think you keep yeah. Lindelof and you buy. We're linked a lot with Timber from Ajax, and yeah. obviously the connection with Ten Hag. And I think like Shaw's a good. I'm absolutely fine having Shaw as the back yeah, with Martinez yeah. because they're quite similar. Like they very composed in the ball, and uh, I think it's helped a little bit yesterday that Brighton aren't the most like they're not going long ball. So you had Shaw and Lindelof. It's quite a lightweight best centre back partnership, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like Ferguson was obviously a big miss for them. Uh, but no, like I like Lindelof has qualities. It just is like you have to play him next to someone who can like yeah. Lindelof, they've got too many similar qualities. They don't. I think. I think just the point is is that at least he's he's basically there to do a job, and he's a good squad player, right? And yeah, I know dude, there's a couple of points I wanted to mention just to just to kind of finish off on the Brighton point as well. You know, even though they're a small club, you know let's not you know we need to give them credit where they do that they have a lot of you know they gave us a run for their money because they're a good team um mitoma's fantastic mcallister um and they have you know, three for march very good player they're exactly and one thing i was really impressed by is when they didn't have the ball and we had it they were so organized it just seemed especially in the middle of the park they just seem to have always one, two kind of more extra players than we had. And they were, you know, 
really quick in in most instances to to get it back um so anyway just just to kind of you know uh finish up on on that game you know we have have to realize that we came up against a pretty decent opposition i mean brighton are again given that kind of small club uh kind of brand that they are are you know a really good team um and i did want to talk about maguire as well now that we kind of mentioned it and and you know just give a bit of uh you know focus on him i know he's he's been getting a lot of stick um which a lot of people i feel maybe online and on the socials express it maybe not in the best way at the end of the day he's a player for man united um but i think you know even if you feel someone needs to move on you need to kind of you know do it slightly more respectfully but i think it has come to a point where we we've realized that maguire unfortunately does not add much to to the team and if anything it isn't you know a negative uh force as such because you know we were talking about lindelof lindelof can come in and do a job as a backup you know when needed and he's shown that he's happy to do that whereas unfortunately maguire can't can't play as a first team player but he also can't come in and do a job when the first two center backs are unfit um another thing as well which you know was pretty not surprising but not not great to see like yesterday just before the penalties you know bruno was in and around the players kind of geeing everyone up obviously he'd gone off at that point so he wasn't going to take one and maguire was just kind of stood around on the periphery you know if he's a club captain you know he should also be having some kind of you know input in those types of situations because he he's obviously going to be one of the leaders and he almost feels it looks like he feels resigned to the fact that you know he he also has lost that kind of um stature at, at the club he feels that it looks like he's given up slightly when it comes to uh you know leading and i know ten hag after i think the seville game made some comments saying that he is he's still really important in and around the dressing room the training ground and he helps out with his experience but i genuinely think that might just be a, a kind of smart angle from ten hag not to kind of you know com- compound his kind of uh you know kind of he must be feeling under pressure right so he doesn't want yeah. to make it even worse for him and to be fair he also wants to you know, move him along in the summer and he doesn't want to portray him as as you know being some kind of evil in the dressing room and making things even worse um but unfortunately i think from the seville game especially um i think mistakes in the premier league can you know be gotten over i mean you lose three points you move to the next game but mistakes in cup competitions cost you places in the cup competitions i just feel it was such a waste like we spent like i mentioned before since december we've been playing every sunday every wednesday we put in such a you know top performance against barcelona we've been working so hard the second part of this season and literally are limping along now from week to week only to put in that performance against seville and and unfortunately yeah a lot, a lot of the players let's not be wrong you know a lot of the players you know didn't turn up on that on that game but um you know maguire was unfortunately one of the reasons why why we didn't get through um so switching i guess now to seville um what did you think uh steve of that game what what were your what were your thoughts um i think the best word to describe the whole game was a disaster um it it just was from start to finish you know the sixth minute they score from an absolute calamity a lot of people can say it's De Gea's fault. A lot of people can say it's Maguire's fault. It's both of their faults. Um, you know, firstly, Maguire shouldn't be asking for that pass. De Gea, with all of his experience, shouldn't be making that pass. He should just be clearing that ball. And yeah, Maguire receiving that ball with his back to goal, he can't turn. Everybody knows that. Tried to flick it, a nice, cute little dink pass out to Wambasaka. 
to disastrous results again. So, um, you know, from the first to the last, you know, 10 minutes left, the ball coming over, coming out of the sky to De Gea, who tries to touch it down, hospital touch, five yards out of his own reach, straight to their striker, who then gets the third goal. Um, and actually, you know, the, the second goal, a corner coming off his shoulder and De Gea, he doesn't even come off his line and he still gets lobbed um, by a, a shoulder. And I think disaster from start to finish. The whole team um, didn't didn't press, didn't run. I think, um, you know, we were talking, uh, Peter, uh, earlier about, you know, some of the steel in the team, there was just none. Um, and a lot of the players in that team don't have the characteristics to 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 get over those kind of games you know the, the games where we've been battered this season we've we've been outran so if there's a fight in those kind of games we, we're going to lose it and you can tell in the first five minutes which which man united team is going to show up and in that game it was it was the worst possible man united team so yeah yeah. yeah, obviously you mentioned a, a really important point there. I mean, in going away from home in Europe, I mean, I kind of knew already. I mean, they they were going to make it a hostile atmosphere, right? And and they definitely did. And conceding early on just makes it worse because you've got the crowd like on your backs. And like you said, that's what when it goes to show what kind of character your team has, and it, and if they can kind of react to that where we reacted really badly um so I mean, peter what what did you think about that i mean uh, you know so much echo. i guess to, to talk about from yeah, uh, echo. yeah I, I more or less agree with everything stephen said i think every united fan now like there's no there would be no way you could ever sugarcoat a performance like that uh and yeah like it's just worrying like i know we got a, it's weird like we got that the draw away in barcelona like we were obviously leading up we were bundled down in the new camp. We came back, we were two and up. But it was that period again, like I mentioned, that we were really like this bring bring them with confidence and everyone was going the right way. Um, but like a lot of these players, like like even remember like last season, like there was we lost four 0 to Brighton, there was four 0 at Anfield, we were like one 0 down after like five minutes, like City away. There was just they just down tools give up. It's almost like uh like like a, they can't like when it happens, they're like, Oh, this happened to us before, and they can't get out of that state, and they just kind of just they're like just static and they don't know how to do anything and they don't know how to like even if ten hags tell them things because no doubt ten hag at half time tore into them and then a minute two minutes later into the second half first corner free free shoulder and to hey like i said just standing there but um yeah it is worrying because like we haven't beaten it in the league like we've beaten i think at the top half only fallen away and i actually went to craven college on saturday and uh it's not quite the most intimidating ground to go to so <laughs> we it's like it's the players from previous teams and generate and eras kind of that are the ones that really really struggle with it so i actually listed off a lot of players uh probably to too many whatsapp groups of who needed to leave united and it's like just that won't be part of like ever a title winning squad and it's like 16 or 17 i think i counted 15 yeah yeah and i i forgot i forgot tellers and he was playing for sevilla so there's guys like like Twan's A B, like he looked great, but he obviously is just injury prone. I liked Brandon. I wouldn't say they've been attitude problem or anything, but they're just not going to be United players. And there's like the Maguires, the Eric Boys, the like McTominay's not good enough. Um, Van de Beek. Like there's a lot, yeah, a lot of players there. And Sancho's kind of been, like I'm giving him one more season, but like I said earlier, you can't just wait four or five years for players to be good at Man United. It kind of has to be you hit the ground running pretty quickly. Maybe give them the first six months or a season, but like. It's time to just to like okay, like let's just move on and a bit more ruthlessness and it shouldn't be a big deal. It should be like, yeah, you're not you were yeah, you did well for us, whatever, like when we were trying to get top four. But if we want to get to the next level, like I'm sorry, like let's move on to the next. So uh hopefully the only positive results like that is surely Ten Hag knows the guys he can trust. He's like, I can't trust you. If we if I want to get to where he because the way he talks about you know ideal standards, so he maybe he's like you let me down too many times you have to go so yeah it'll be interesting he's actually sold because we're really bad at selling players yeah I, and i think look I, I think ten hag is uh is a smart manager i don't think he'll be he's not the one to come out like i said in the press and i mean i don't think he'll be naming names to say you know this guy's not good enough or, or that guy's not good enough but i mean you know he knows football right we know that he, he's tactically astute 
he has he always talks about standards and what it means to to play for Manchester United and and you know this is the level that we need to be playing at and when we lose you know he always says that players didn't didn't reach the standard or the expectations so when he's using that kind of language like you said Pete I think in his own mind right he'll know what players are reaching that level or that expectation that he has and what players aren't so I think in the summer definitely he'll you know be pretty ruthless and within reason get get rid of as many players and all, as much as the deadwood essentially as possible to make the the squad um, as efficient as he can and bring in players who can improve that squad and give the, the you know squad more depth with a bit of better quality um obviously a big question mark like we mentioned last week is going to come down to how much money is in the kitty which comes down to who's going to be owning the club um, next season but I mean with any of the kind of results that have been negative this season I've never really thought that oh Ten Hag made a mistake here in his uh, you know formation or the way he set up or the you know subs he's made you know I think unfortunately it's just come down to the players and and it happens right so I mean I'm a very kind of realist or I think I'm a realist when it comes to comes to football you, as in you're going to lose games it's part and part of football you're not going to win every single game um but where i was really disappointed with seville is we gifted them four of the five goals mm. that was the first point secondly we were two nil up with 10 minutes to go in the first leg so we should have been you know astute enough as a footballing team to see that game out and going 2-0 into a second leg is very different to going into a second leg um, as a 2-2 tie um, and like I said those first those first two goals at Old Trafford were just just stupid the first one you know it was Malassia it came off him and the hair couldn't do much about it um, second one Maguire obviously just Again, it was just it was just silly, and the goals that we gave away in in Seville were also, you know, silly mistakes. Again, I mean, you know, the Hayes. I've kind of been, um, you know, I, I was really really disappointed with his result, uh, with his performance rather on Thursday, but then yesterday, I mean, credit to him. I think he did bounce back and. He pulled off a couple of really good saves and his distribution was better. But where I got really frustrated, I mentioned this before, is mistakes in the league. You know, you kind of get over, you come back. This season was slightly different because we were re rebuilding. We were never going to win the, the Premier League, which is fine. So it's kind of a transition season where you kind of rebuild, you get these niggling little problems out of the system. But it happened time and time again in the league. Brentford... And there was two, three other games where we lost goals. And even against Barcelona, he did it where we played out the back and it went straight to Casemiro. Casemiro saved him. Yeah, and Casemiro, yeah. it was right in front of him. It was in the straight. Um, Casemiro came running back. And, and you would think from situations like that, De Gea would just say to himself, I don't want to be, you know, it's I don't want to get all this flack online. I don't want to, you know, be in the spotlight for literally losing games for United. I'll stop doing it. But yet again, he, he decides to, you know, pass it to Maguire in a situation where he's being, you know, pressed by three players. Um, obviously cost us for, for the third goal as well. Um, and it was just a, a really poor performance. And I'll be honest, for the first time in a long time, I've always been very pro David De Gea. And I've always thought that a lot of the fan base have given him negativity, um, you know, slightly unjust considering, you know, the kind of service he's given to the club. You know, he's obviously got the most clean sheets now for the club, been there for a very long time. He could have left us when we really needed him, the whole Real Madrid episode, and he decided to stay. 
But I just felt after that game, maybe it might just be time for him to move on and, and for us to look for someone else because I, someone made this point on Sky Sports News today. It's just like Pep did exactly the same thing. You know, Sometimes you have to make ruthless decisions. You had Joe Hart, which was, you know, he was a fine keeper. He made decent stops, but he knew Joe Hart could never fit in with his um, kind of, you know, model of playing out from the back, right? And that was a big part of, you know, the, the kind of style of play he wanted. And it seems like David De Gea is, is exactly the same. It's obviously fantastic, you know, uh, stopping shots, but he doesn't have the confidence of of playing it from the back. And if anything, it's, it's costing us games. But then again, on Sunday, um, or yesterday rather, he I, I thought he was much better. Uh, and we also have the conundrum of who's going to buy him, right? I think all the top teams in Europe are pretty much covered with a goal. Nobody player. has, nobody has he's, to he's, buy he's, him. He's out of contract. Yeah. Like, we don't, like you said, I, De Gea is another one of those players that, I know, like, at Woodward Legacy, like, you made it 375 grand a week, whatever, six, seven-year deal. And... Mm. Like it was quite like De Gea has not been very good since the 2018 World Cup. That like Spain dropped him directly after that. He let mm. in some really poor goals. Ronaldo scored a hat trick against him. He let one through his arms. And it's not just like he does a lot of that as well. Like even Brentford early this season, he let one just through his hands. It's yeah. he's not good at playing out the back from the back. But there's other issues like he never comes and claims crosses. Like you said against Sevilla, he didn't come off his line. He doesn't claim crosses. He like it's obviously distributions of holding, but he puts himself in really bad. He's good at shot stopping and like very little else of what you need to be to be a goalkeeper. And mm. that bailed them out over the years. And obviously, football's changed in the way keepers are supposed to play. But like if you see interviews with him and comments he makes, he's like, I've nothing to prove. And Maguire says that too. I'm like, surely, like, and then you hear Casemiro being like, and Varane being like, every game I play, I have to prove something. And it's this mm. kind of like, it's almost like an arrogance of like, I don't need to adapt. I'm like, but like football's changed. If you want to stay here, yeah. Should adapt, and uh, just with yeah, like just if we keep De Gea, we're never going to be what Ten Hag wants us to be if the goalkeeper can't pass the ball. And then also like, like you said, like it's a football IQ thing. Like everyone knew, like looking at that situation that De Gea is in, like pick any other option. Don't pick the most of like three players around the slowest player we have who can't mm. turn, and he's got away with it because Martinez is obviously quality on the ball. And he did, yeah. against Bet against Betis, it happened. He played him, and Martinez like danced around him kind of. But like, you surely know, like he's got lucky with that, and he surely should know. I mean, like, I played with Harry Maguire for four or five seasons now. He can't do that. And yeah. let's let's quieten down this crowd, kick the corners, and not let them get the ball off us for mm -hmm. little periods and grow into it a bit because the atmosphere was unbelievable. And the last thing we needed to do is for our keeper to pass, basically put the captain in the worst position he could be in. And go one nil down, and from there it was game over. Yeah, and yeah. he is the most experienced United player. He's been at United since um, since Fergie, like. And I'm seeing there, sorry, there's a comment saying keep De Gea as a number two, and I'm like, there's no point because one, he's going to be on good money as a number two, which we don't need to do. And then secondly, if you buy a new goalkeeper and the keeper that sits behind him has the most clean sheets ever for United in his top ten appearances, anytime that keeper yeah. makes any sort of error, there's going to be sections of the fan base saying get him in. Get to Hay and yeah. goals. So again, it's just like clean break. Thanks for your service. Let's move on. It doesn't need to be this like drawn out saga. It's like, yeah, this is what football is like. United have sold far better players than David Haya and let club legends go, like Ruvan Istroy let go acrimoniously, David Beckham, Roy Keane. These guys are ten times the legend that De Gea will ever be. And yeah. he only has the he only has the clean sheet record because he's played so many more games than Van der Sar and Schmeichel. And yeah. I I didn't see Schmeichel, but Van der Sar was a far better goalkeeper and funnily far better with his feet and he's 20 years younger than him. So. Yeah, Schmeichel was the same, to be fair. And the thing is, Schmeichel was a... I think both of them, they were absolute you know, presence when it came to you know commanding the defence. And, mm. and, you know, if strikers were one-on-one -on -one with either of them, I think especially Schmeichel, he would, he would always make it quite difficult, you know, running out to them and jumping around and all sorts. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, Go Pound Sunny for, for joining us and uh, and their comments. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, Go Pound mentioned, should we keep Dave as number two? You guys said, obviously, he's out of contract, but I think we do have an option to extend it by a year. 
but he was also saying who would you sign as our new number one um, i have I, a bit of a sorry, stat please. sorry harry that i that i saw today um and obviously i'm i'm it was on it was on twitter uh it shocked me um so i'm not too sure how reliable it is but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that one of our transfer targets who we've quite extensively scouted in Diogo Costa at Porto um, has a claiming cross percentage of like 86th percentile, um, whereas David De Gea is in the sixth percentile. So right at the bottom 6% of all goalies, I, I think it might be in the top five leagues or something like that, but... You know, it's yeah. it's a damning stat. You know, you have yeah. these keepers like Allison, Edison, Nick Pope, six foot six, big beast of a keeper, claiming crosses all day. And De Gea, he's fighting his way through a crowd, and he, 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 he comes even, he Yeah, does, I mean, he's, he's, glued, he's glued to that line most of the time. He's very like static and nervy. And yeah. sorry, just on the point on the contract thing, that's actually the reason why, like, we have the extension, but there's no way United are going to give you an option of a year for. 375k from so that's the whole point of contention of do we want to keep this guy but we're not going to pay you that money and i yeah. do think to hate like ten Hag is a very practical man he's a very pragmatic manager like he adapts and i think he's like here we need to buy like five players can we do another maybe we could do it to have for like one more season but yeah. it's just it just can't like like you said like every good team starts at the back and yeah. like you said like i know like city binned off joe hart 75 england caps england's number one uh, for Cloudy, obviously Bravo was terrible when he first came, and then but then he got Ederson the next season, and they like that city. It just shows like the way they're owned compared to the way we're owned. It's like yeah, there's no messing about. They if they want the player, they're getting them, and if someone's yeah. not good enough, they're leaving. Yeah. There's no they're sentiment just... at the top, is there? That, well, there shouldn't be anyway. Um, yeah. You know, if it comes to uh, cut and thrust of it, you know, the players yeah. who are costing you need to be need to be leaving. I think uh, yeah, so the second it... part of uh, of GoPal's comment was who would you sign as our new number one? And I'm a massive, massive fan of David Ray at Brentford. I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. He's, he saves quite a few and his distribution is it's pretty good. It's up there with I think, you know, like a midfielder's kind of distribution. He kind of knocks it around pretty well. I know, obviously, Steve, you mentioned we're linked with um, Costa at Porto as well. So the only thing I think about Rea is he's played in the Premier League for the last mm -hmm. two seasons. He knows what it's about. And um, I was, again, a couple of weeks ago, Thomas Frank um, said quite clearly in a press conference, you know, we've given, given two new contracts to Rea. Obviously, Brentford, you know, the size of their club, they're, they're limited kind of budgets, right? Uh, and he's turned around and he's rejected both of them. And he said, he joked and he goes, the only way we're going to keep him is if we get Champions League. So I think it's a given that he's going in the summer. Um, again, in that sort of position, I think we could get a pretty good deal because, you know, Brentford would, are in a position where he wants to leave. He's not going to sign a new deal. So they might need to take a slightly lower price. And again, a club like Brentford, um, again, not putting them down. I'm a massive fan of the way Brentford play and, and what they've done, but they're not going to be asking for 80, 90, 100 million quid. I mean, we could, I think we could get him for maybe 40 or even slightly less, which yeah. I think a player of his quality would be would be quite a bargain. And um, you mentioned about stats as well. This is something shared that I shared with my friends in, in our United group. Sky Sports had something. I just picked it up again on my phone. Um, so this is just Premier League ranks for De Gea. Um, goals conceded, he's seventh. Ex expected goals on target conceded, he's eighth. His passing accuracy is 12th. His touches are 18th. And his keeper sweeper regains are 20th, um, which are pretty That's damning. Um, but on the flip side, he's got, I think he's, He's top, I think, when it comes to clean sheets or something, something stupid like that. He's up there. I think um, uh, just on the clean sheets thing, clean sheets are a team thing. They're not just yeah, no, absolutely. And absolutely. He got a clean sheet against Forest, and he didn't make a save. And uh, good old Garth Crooks on BBC had him in team of the week and said he should be the captain, which is quite <laughs> funny. But uh, 
Yeah, just on the on the Raya thing as well. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with everything you're saying there, and the fact he's Premier League proven so far uh, really helps. And we remember what De Gea was like when he first came. Like he was obviously young, but it does take a while to adapt from like Spanish Portuguese leagues, just the way they play. Uh, Raya as well. Like it's funny he uh, he was in Blackburn's academy, kind of randomly he came from Barcelona yeah. when he was a kid. So he's kind of already a northerner at heart. So uh, he probably fit in. And then I think Costa actually has like a 65 million buyout. And uh, like the Porto Benfica, they always get the good deals. Like Enzo Fernandez, they were like, we're not selling them unless you hit that buyout. So yeah. I just think, I, I, I genuinely think we'll see Dab De Gea on the first day of the season. Yeah. The, only thing, yeah. the only thing I really get frustrated by though, and it, it seems to be happening a lot at United recently, is that we never seem to be able to sell players. They just see their contract down and we just give them away for free which just seems like such a such a waste like we just seem really bad at being able to handle contract negotiations and getting things sorted i mean last year it must be like five six players we see pogba lingard yeah it's all it's also because we give these players it is like a stay on, like obviously not at a big club and a lot of wages, but like the Woodward model of like, let's just give them huge wages. Like we get, remember we gave Sanchez like half a million a week and then we could not get rid of him. And then somehow it caught, thank, thanks to Conte, he just wanted to buy actually United guys for Inter. Uh, but we really yeah. do, just get, we get stuck with these guys and you're like, who's going to take that contract? Like Phil Jones mm-hmm. got a four year deal and he's played like 10 games since. And there's, yeah, like it's going to be hard to get some of these guys out. I think I think there's players like I think we'd get money for McTominay. Uh, yeah, like I mean, yeah, apparently yeah. Newcastle apparently wants him. Yeah, they, he's like a, a, re- a big fan of him. Yeah, I think he's a, he's like a regen of Sean Longstaff. They kind of look alike and they kind of play alike. And <laughs> uh, like in fact, like he's academy, so we get the pure prof for him, which is really helpful for FFP. Uh, Alanga, I, he is an Everton player, but Everton have no money to spend, so don't know about that. Uh, guys like. Like I don't know if Brandon Williams will get any money for him. Dean Henderson, you hope Forrest stay up because they probably would buy him because I think Navas is only on a, a loan deal. Um, mm. But hopefully you get money for the, the young academy kind of the guys who came from the academy they get the pure profit. And then there's a lot of other guys. I'm like, like I wouldn't be surprised if Eric buys in the squad next season because we won't be able to sell him because Marseille are not keeping him because uh, he didn't play enough games, which is uh, sadly kind of the story of Eric Boy, the footballer. Um, mm. Oh, yeah, I think we'll be well, hopefully. Hopefully, I think going forward, you know, all of that should change slightly. I think over the last kind of you know five, six, seven years, I think a lot of these transfers have been you know dictated by the guys above rather than the actual managers themselves. I mean, you mentioned like Sanchez, for example, um, and it's kind of been more about how do we sell shirts rather than buying players that that suit the way we play on, on the football pitch, which I think Ten Hag has definitely, you know, made his mark really clear, right? I think, um, I think um, sorry, I think Sanchez, at the time was funny, but you look back and like, what was going on? Do you remember his unveiled video? He's playing the, the piano. The piano. The yeah, piano, and yeah. we had Pogba and Stormzy. It was all like, like it was at the time. Like, it, yeah, it was, it, was it was outrageous. But uh, yeah, the only worrying thing is, Obviously, it's good that Ten Hag is kind of getting pairs he wants, but most clubs have like the managers aligned with like the director of football. In like City, have your the guys um, Bergenstein and uh, Sariano. They're the Pep's guys in Barcelona. It's all like it's all lined up. It's all together. Whereas United, it's because one because who owns us and whatever. But uh, like we've had no managers that have any they've had any kind of like same styles. So we just end up with this like mixed bag of players. Whereas like if Pep Guardiola left Man City tomorrow, they get someone who plays like like I think Nagelsmann was kind of like lined up, but obviously maybe he's fallen off a bit now. But they get someone who'd be like, you'll suit. We have the players that will exactly suit you. Whereas Ten Hag is like, I have a goalkeeper who can't pass. I've got like these all these di- different players from different managers and styles, and it's very hard to work together. And uh, he's nailed the signing so far. Anthony, I like him, but he needs to improve a lot still. Uh, but you can tell, like all the players we buy have bought have like the right character and the right mentality. So Big time. for for now, I'm like I'll trust I'll trust um, Ayrton Hag over like a John Murta or like a Richard Arnold. Yeah, hundred so percent. I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. I'd rather have that than like a fake attempt at, well, a, God, strat- at a strategy as yeah. well. But yeah. um, it's it's funny you mentioned a point actually, which I think is 
is pretty important about having a director of football because I think long gone are the days of like Fergie who you know could manage everything um buying players and, and manage the contracts and you know you know, handle everything that's going on the pitch um what do you think of that Steve do you think it's something we should kind of get in in terms of a structure because Darren Fletcher has some sort of role there right but not sure if um, think, yeah, I think there should be some sort of structure, um, especially you know as as Peter uh, referenced with with the Man City model, and as a United fan, you never want to reference City as a point of of improvement. You know, you never want to be like Man City. You know, you don't want to be David Moyes saying we need to pass like them, attack mm-hmm. like them, defend like them. Um, <laughs> but you know, you need a, a structure. Um, you know, having a manager who has a vision with people above him who share that vision and a scouting department who share the ideas of the players that you want and it can all just come together in the last minute rather than being pitched 30 different players or 40 different right backs and then ended on Wambasaka. you know you can you can have an idea in mind an archetype left back for example or an archetype central defensive midfielder i want someone who has similar stats with the numbers to Casemiro. So you go and find someone who has similar stats in, in different leagues who 100%. plays like Casemiro or plays like as a potential understudy to Anthony. Like I'm not sure if uh, if Ahmad is going to come in and be the understudy for, for Anthony next season, but he could well be. Um, but yeah, those, those principles and the vision needs to be aligned within the whole club. And if we get a new owner, then that might happen. But That'll take time, and time is something that we don't have to start a transfer window in a month and a half. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, sorry, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's that's why it's so important, really, to get that kind of. You know, Glazers really need to stop messing about now and decide what they're going to do. I think they're kind of drawing that out just to get the absolute most amount of money possible. Why wouldn't um, they? To be fair, they have nothing yeah. to do. They don't care about about the. They don't club care about us, right? Online, so they don't care about us, right? So that's why I think they they're going back and forth and messing everyone about. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's, it's not like it's not it's not like the glazers. It's not like the glazers are sitting there thinking, you know what? Like I'll give the the new owners and like we'll make sure the manager gets a good transfer window. They don't care about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, just something yeah, the exactly. sack of points. Uh, I remember hearing this at the time. It's it's like one of those. It almost seems like it's like a urban myth. But apparently, United, just Googled there, apparently it was 804 right-backs that the data department brought together, and Juan Basaka was the one who came out. And I'm just like, that's like every right-back like in like professional football. Uh, yeah. But that shows you, like, they, there was no, they, yeah, there's no plan there. The dream would be to get, yeah. obviously not to be owned by Qatar, but the dream would be to have um, Edwin van der Sar as, like, your treacherous yeah. football guy. Because he has the yeah. link, obviously, that he worked with Ted, he worked with Tanag really well. Obviously, he has yeah. the links with United. United and Ajax, kind of those like traditional clubs of like we have set style and this is what we want to do. Um, well, I think Van der Sar could come in as a more senior position because he's the the CEO, you know, as he's running. Yeah, it I, I think. So, yeah, I, mean, I, like, I just long think term, that would be amazing if we could get rid of uh, um, Murtaugh and Arnold and just have him like running the club. He understands the club. I, and I, you, I don't. I don't you just think know that will have the the club's interests, right? Like, I don't think. You know, uh, to be fair to Richard Arnold. Uh, obviously, he went out in the pints with a few uh, United vigilantes, but uh, <laughs> I don't think I think he had one look at what Ed Woodward was doing. He's like, I'm not getting involved. I'm not going to let that happen to me because I, he was like, he's a rugby league guy apparently. So he's like, I'll just deal with the finance side of things, and I'll let Merton. I don't know what Darren Fletcher actually does. He's like a like I don't know, like a middleman of sorts. He, I think he knows. He's like, I I don't want that like heat on me of like. Oh yeah, like is United fans like sending like like Ed Woodward is like vilified. Like I could never go back to Trafford in a position. He couldn't walk into the sand. So it's a bit of like a bit of like acceptance. Like that, yeah, th- these are my qualities. I'll let the other the guys who know what they're doing do this. Uh, and I think that's kind of seen with our opponents on Thursday. Spurs like Daniel Evie kind of he's like that'll be that atmosphere will be interesting. Like I think the fans if we score early, they'll the fa- it'll just be an open revolt. But knowing us. We'll probably just do what we normally do. Jekyll and Hyde, like, I, I, I have a feeling we'll probably lose the Spurs, just kind of how we, we do things. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a nice nice way to swiftly move on to Thursday. Um, 
obviously they've uh, they've sacked their manager today and uh, got Ryan Mason in again on a temporary basis. Um, all it seems to happen to us this season, uh, having to deal with a bit of a manager bounce. Um, it's the fifth time. Yeah, exactly. Perfect timing. So, what do you think, Steve? Going into Thursday, um, what what do you think we can get out of that game? And and based on kind of the the players that kind of limped out yesterday, who do you think is going to get a game? Uh, well, I'm optimistic. Um, I'm quite an optimistic red. Um, my brother shouts at me all the time when uh, <laughs> when I think we're going to beat City four 0 every game, um, like in the FA Cup final, which I think will happen. Um, but we're in a position in the table where there's not all this pressure on us to actually win. Um, you know, we're, we are fourth at the moment behind Newcastle, same points, but they've got a much better goal difference, but we're three points, uh, sorry, we're six points ahead of Spurs with two games in hand and we have to still play them. So if we beat Spurs and win our two games in hand, we'll be 15 points ahead. <laughs> so yeah. that is, that's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's absolutely guaranteed. But, you know, we've got a game where we don't absolutely have to win, but it'd be really nice to not lose. Um, yeah. I, I think Bruno took a knock, so he might not be 100%. Martial's never 100%. Rashford, I'd be surprised if he didn't start because it is it is an important game. Um you know, if the points were closer, if we were closer in points, sorry, it would be looked at as a six-pointer. So, it I'd be surprised if Rashford didn't play. Um, I think he's, I think he actually might stick with the same back four um, if no one's got a knock. So yeah. obviously, I know Luke Shaw got a bit of a knock and he's coming off an injury. So, will he give him a bit of a rest? I'm not sure. Um, but I, th- I think I think we're going to be okay. I think I'd be I'd I'd be happy with a draw right now. Um, obviously, we've come up. This would be the fifth manager um, to have his bounce <laughs> against us after Wolves, Villa, Leeds, and and Sevilla. Um, so yeah, I'd be I'd be happy with with a draw, but of course, I think we're going to win. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those tough ones, isn't it? I think if we win, it, it would definitely put to bed um, us being in the top four. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for sure. I think that will. I think we're pretty much there anyway, but you know, if we can go out there and just, just you know, finish that game off on Thursday, it'll be done and dusted, and then we can kind of look to maybe rest a few players, rotate towards now and the end of the season, so we can have a you know fighting fit, rearing team. You know, up it's a tough game on Sunday though as well. If you yeah. if we just yeah. want to follow one more up, you know, you've got Villa who are um, I think flying uh, around third yeah. or second in the fourth. Yeah, exactly. In the Emery, Emery's completely turned them around as well. But I, I, I guess I that's think... what I'm saying. If we can if we can beat Tottenham, it kind of takes the edge off a little bit. Yeah, slightly less pressure. I mean, you obviously always want to finish third. That gives you the kind of automatic qualification and, and we don't have to worry about an extra playoff and knowing our luck will most probably get Juventus or someone super <laughs> like that, you know. Um, but yeah, you want to win it. At the, at the same time, I'm kind of like, you I'll take a draw, to be honest. Now, if you if we could, if someone said we'll, we'll, get, a, we'll get a draw on Thursday, I'll, I'll take that as well. Um, what about you, Peter? What do you think? Um yeah, like sorry, the fourth and third. There's no qual. There's no because the coefficients. The it's fourth and third are the same now, so we just be straight in. Was oh, it? I thought that. Yeah, they yeah. Like, yeah, so they scrapped. They scrapped. They scrapped it a couple of years ago. Yeah, so it's more just like thirds. Just like yeah, like your thirds. Obviously not like but it's just better than fourth. Like I bought her. I bought her come ahead of Newcastle, but not. And um, I think we really need to go into that FA Cup final like bouncing into it, like in good form because the form's been very iffy over the last while, and mm. you want to be going in like a lot of confidence, guys getting. But like as you said, like rotation and you know manage it. But like the Spurs and Villa games, just if you win both of them, top four is sorted. You're done. You can just mm-hmm. not take the foot off the pedal. But don't we make things very hard for ourselves? Like a start as a club, and even like the Seville game was one on one of that. Um, but I think yeah, we should, like there's not I'm, like new manager bounce. I don't know if Ryan Mason's actually counts as a manager. He's like. It's just like a guy who's there, like a caretaker, just <laughs> yeah, pop in, pop in for an hour or two, like it's like a substitute teacher kind of vibe of him. Um, but I wouldn't be worried about that. And it's also like Spurs are in the absolute mode at the moment. It's like the fans are giving up and yeah. there's just turmoil. That is just go and get the early goal. The crowd will go. The players will down tools. Like looking at Newcastle, it's going like that. 
Villa, like they, I was at it last season, they beat us funnily. Bruno skied a penalty in the last minute. But uh, I think like our home form is so good that there should be no, like, we better players than Aston Villa. I know they're playing well, but at home, we should be like, let's beat them. Yeah. Um, and after that, like, we do have like, Brighton away and West Ham away. So, like, it is, the next four games are tricky. But, um, yeah, like, just, like, build off the back of, we made the FA Cup final. We won a tense penalty shootout. Use that as, like, this is the springboard we need for the rest of the season. And we've won our last three league games. I know the Seville games really put a damper on things, but you know, like the league forms have improved of late. So just yeah, close out top four and uh like no one needs yeah, too much heartburn on United at the moment. And hundred percent a, rela- a, a relaxing May would be quite nice before the football. Yeah, right. Don't don't always get those right. Don't always get those with the United. So let's see. But yeah, obviously we'll be covering uh, all of those uh points off next week with uh with the Spurs and the Villa game. Um, I think that's pretty much it for that for us this week. Um, we've hit that, that hour mark. So looking forward to, to catching up with you guys next week. Um, uh, just a little point, if you guys are watching on YouTube, please do subscribe and share the page. Uh, if you're listening back on an audio podcast, again, uh, do subscribe and, and leave a, a review on the platform you're listening on. Um, so, yeah, guys, again, thanks very much to Peter and Steve for joining us. And uh, and we'll catch up with you next week on uh, the next episode of One The Lot Pod. See you then. Great. All right. Then. Take care. See you guys. All right. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.